As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Pazuzu Algarad? So I'll start with the background of Pazuzu Algarad. I'll move to the timeline of the crimes, and then I'll offer my analysis. Pazuzu Algarad was born John Alexander Lawson on August 12, 1978. He grew up in San Francisco, California. His parents had married in 1971, and they moved to North Carolina when Algarad was two years old. They separated when he was eight years old. Algrad's father would move back to California, but he would stay with his mother in North Carolina. His mother remarried when he was 12 years old. When he was 13, he started regularly using alcohol, sometimes drinking a 12-pack of beer a day so he could calm down. I find it interesting that he had access to alcohol, especially this much. This is a lot different than finding a parent's bottle of vodka, drinking some of it, and replacing what was consumed with water. He dropped out of high school in ninth grade. He would say that that's when the phobias started. He started worshiping Satan, using drugs, dealing drugs, and he changed his name to Pazuzu Algrad. So he was staying busy. He used the name Pazuzu because in ancient Mesopotamian mythology, it was the name of the king of demons. He would later claim that he practiced a Sumerian religion starting when he was 17. On social media, he identified himself as an Iraqi Muslim. His heroes were Aleister Crowley, Anton LaVey, and Charles Manson. He worked briefly in landscaping, but then received disability starting in 2009 because he was nervous and paranoid when outside the house. He cut his tongue, like split it to look like a serpent, I suppose, got tattoos of demonic symbols on his body, and he used a Dremel tool to grind his teeth into sharp points. I have a Dremel tool with a number of different bits. I don't remember the teeth grinding bit. I guess that's because I have the metal cutting and the wood cutting sets. I didn't buy the demonic modification set. Algarad started to get even more into satanic beliefs. He became increasingly violent. He claimed he could control the weather 
and he tried to use black magic. His special demonic powers did not protect him from law enforcement. He was arrested for DUI and convicted in 2003, and arrested for theft. After that, he was convicted in 2008. Sometime around 2009, he and a woman named Amber Nicole Birch started a romantic relationship. Later, he would claim they were spiritually married in 2009. They were never legally married. In 2010, he was charged with accessory after the fact of involuntary manslaughter. This was in connection to the shooting death of a 30-year-old man whose body was found on a boat ramp. The police said that Algred lied to them and let the shooting suspect stay in his residence. He was convicted and sentenced to probation in 2012. As part of this case, he received a mental health assessment. I'll talk more about that later. In 2011, he was convicted of misdemeanor assault, stemming from an incident where he placed his mother in a chokehold. Amber Birch allegedly attacked Algrad's mother as well. In October of 2014, the police executed a search warrant for the backyard of Algrad's house. They found shallow graves containing the remains of two men. These men were murdered five years before. Algrad and Birch were charged with murder and accessory after the fact. Allegedly, they had each killed one of the men, Algarad allegedly murdering one of the men in July of 2009 and Birch allegedly murdering the other man in October of 2009. The next day, a woman named Crystal Matlock was charged for helping to bury one of those victims. Algarad's house was in bad condition. The police found decayed animal parts, feces, urine, and hundreds of flies. There was trash piled in the rooms, mold and graffiti everywhere. Messy doesn't really quite cover it. It was like somebody tried to convert the house into Hell's Landfill, but they overdid it. The house would be demolished in April of 2015. On October 28, 2015, at 3 a.m., Algarad was found unresponsive in his cell in prison. He was pronounced dead at 4.20 a.m. He had a deep wound in his arm. Prison officials could not figure out what he used to cut himself. On March 9, 2017, Amber Birch pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 30 to 39 years in prison. A few months later, Matlock was sentenced to three to four years in prison for conspiracy to accessory after the fact to first-degree murder. Kind of a long charge, one that's kind of hard to say quickly, I guess, in conversation when she's in prison. I guess the good news is she'll have several years to maybe figure out an acronym or something to speed that up. Now moving to my analysis, including the mental health components. In October of 2010, Algarad was given a mental health assessment. I'll go through the various sections of the assessment here. He had poor hygiene, notable body odor. He bathed no more than once a year and had not brushed his teeth in years. He felt as though bathing took away his defenses against infection. I don't know about keeping germs away, but it probably would have kept people away. He sat for most of the time during the assessment. Sometimes he would pace around the room. His hands were shaking. He discussed unusual beliefs that may have been delusional, but it was not clear. He had poor insight and poor judgment. He had a history of alcohol use, agoraphobia, social phobia, OCD, and cluster B personality traits. So this cluster contains four personality disorders, antisocial, narcissistic, borderline, and histrionic. It wasn't specified 
what symptoms from those disorders he may have had. He was diagnosed at this time, the time of the assessment, with panic disorder, with agoraphobia, alcohol dependence, alcohol withdrawal, and schizotypal personality disorder. If we look at his mental health history, there appear to be three main items, anxiety and panic, unusual thoughts and beliefs, including paranoia, which were captured in schizotypal personality disorder, SPD, and he consumed a lot of alcohol. He probably started using alcohol to address anxiety and panic, as he had indicated. The SPD would be related to some degree to anxiety as well. For example, excessive social anxiety is a symptom of this disorder. Usually the anxiety associated with schizotypal personality disorder is really about paranoia. Let's take a look at some of the symptoms of schizotypal personality disorder and see how it might have aligned with his behavior and affected him. SPD has nine symptom criteria. Number one, ideas of reference. This is the idea that everyday occurrences have special meaning or personal significance. This does not rise to the level of a delusion, and this can fuel paranoia. Number two, odd beliefs or magical thinking. This one seems to connect to his unusual religious beliefs. He told a mental health professional that he and his girlfriend were the only two members of his religion. Number three, unusual perceptual experiences. For example, somebody hears a voice whispering their name and no one's there. This is like a quasi-delusion, not something as severe as what we see with schizophrenia, but it still influences the person. This could also feed unusual religious beliefs. The fourth symptom is odd thought and speech. The fifth, suspicious or paranoid thoughts. Number six is incongruous or limited affect. Number seven is odd, eccentric, or peculiar behavior and or appearance. It is not difficult to understand why this symptom criterion may apply to his behavior. Number eight, a lack of close friends or confidants except for first-degree relatives. He had only a few relationships. It's not clear if any of them were truly close, like if they were really deep or meaningful. The last symptom, number nine, is excessive social anxiety mainly related to paranoid fears. What stands out with this symptom in relation to Algrad is that it doesn't lessen with familiarity. So the severity of the symptom remains constant. There would not come a time where he would start to become accustomed to it and the severity would decrease. There are a few other items I found interesting with Algrad. I'll go through them here. Number one, how the symptoms of his disorders seem to reinforce each other. His odd and magical thinking, paranoia, and unusual perceptions would only serve to exacerbate his panic and anxiety about social situations. Number two, even though he had symptoms that would normally result in him being distant from people, he was able to be attractive to women. Apparently, there were a few women who were interested in him, including Birch and Matlock. Usually, somebody with SPD, panic, and agoraphobia would not function well romantically. It appears to have been his conviction to the religious beliefs that gathered people to him. They looked at him as some type of spiritual leader. Number three, just about everything he did should have driven people away. The body odor, the house having a nearly unimaginable level of squalor, the odd behavior, yet people would come over 
and hang out at his house. Now, Algarad did not seem to respond negatively to stimuli that would normally elicit disgust. This is not unusual for somebody with schizophrenia, but it's not as prevalent for somebody with schizotypal personality disorder. But even if his disgust mechanism was limited for whatever reason, how or why did other people tolerate it? It wasn't just those who found him romantically attractive that came by the house. Other people came by and stayed there as well. He must have found a lot of people who didn't have a sense of smell, or maybe they really enjoyed his conversational skills. It would be interesting to know what attractive elements that he had that could outweigh the disgusting nature of the house. Number four, it doesn't make a lot of sense that he committed murder. That's the type of behavior that typically draws attention to somebody. And again, he was afraid of people. He had agoraphobia. He didn't want to go outside. He didn't like social interactions. People tend to notice when others are killing people. The people go missing. There's the shooting. It's kind of an event that draws a lot of negative attention. Here, perhaps the paranoia and magical thinking overrode the panic and anxiety. It could also be that the panic led to the murder. The circumstances of the actual homicide are not clear. It's not clear why he did it, what was going on at the time. There's really not much information. It appears as though both victims, on separate occasions, were voluntarily in the house when they were shot and killed with a 22 caliber rifle. In addition, Algarad bragged to other people that he had committed murder. So again, he's doing a lot that would draw attention to himself, a lot that would bring people over to his house to investigate. Number five, it seems as though a number of people encountered Algarad and found him to be unusual, but he did not get a lot of assistance. Maybe some people did try. I'm not sure. For example, I picture like when he went to change his name. Some clerk would say, you want to change your name to Pazuzu Algarad? Are you sure? How about you sleep on it for a couple days or a few decades and then come back? It just seems like somebody really should have tried to intervene, given his level of psychopathology. This certainly was a tragic case with an unusual offender. I think this case really demonstrates how you never know what mental health symptoms a murderer will have for those that do have symptoms. The substance use may not be surprising. A number of murderers are intoxicated at the time or regularly used substances, but the anxiety and panic would not be expected. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.